Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, well, welcome back to the show. Today is still Thursday, March 7th, 2013. Thanks for tuning in now as we are live from the Sunshine State or even later through the archive shows. Either way, we appreciate you listening. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith my trusty co-host for Truth About Trucking Live here on Blog Talk Radio. And, and Blog Talk Radio is the world's largest live online talk radio network covering politics, technology, health, sports, entertainment, industries, and everything in between. With thousands of shows and millions of listeners worldwide, with shows uh, being broadcast by celebrities and publications such as the Huffington Post, for example, companies like even Walmart, and shows by those you may not expect, like the Pentagon. So we're glad to be a part of the BTR programming. And Donna, we had our first show on Blog Talk Radio back on August 9th, 2008. Can you believe that? Wow. No, that's uh, that's unbelievable. It really is. It's like yesterday that I was in the kitchen, and we were just messing around with the two computers, doing a test, and... Um, I just can't believe that's what. How, what month was it? What is it? Five years? Uh, well, it's going. Yeah, be be five years in August. That's unbelievable. So, uh, you know, the saying "time does fly." Well, it really, really does, folks. <laughs> yeah, and I was surprised to see you. Hey, you were in the chat room. You were all ready to go. Oh, when tonight? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I well, I I I set up about an hour ago instead of a minute before showtime. Oh, well, that helps. All right. Well, we've learned a lot along the way, and we're still learning. And we try to share information on the world of trucking with whoever cares to listen. And this evening, our special guest is Mark Mayfield, a former driver who ran the road for ten years from 1991 to 2001 racking up 1.2 million safe miles, and he's the author of the book, In the Driver's Seat, Interstate Trucking, A Journey. So we're going to talk about the book, uh, what trucking was like 22 years ago, and how it has changed, and is that change for the better or worse? Regulations, uh, HOS rules, life on the road, a little bit about everything, and we'll find out what advice Mark has for newcomers today who are considering truck driving as a career. So... We will uh, go back two decades and see if trucking is any different today from 91 to 2013. Our show this evening, A Truck in Life, as we interview former driver and author Mark Mayfield, and it's coming up on Truth About Trucking Life. 
You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live. And I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with our guest, Mark Mayfield, author of In the Driver's Seat, a book about his 10-year driving career between the years of 1991 and 2001. So, Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine, Alan. Thank you very much. Oh, nice, clear uh, call there, too. Hey, you're in uh, now you're in California, right? Yes, sir, Northern California. 
Northern California. And Donna, I didn't know if you knew that, but uh, there's a place you've been wanting to visit for a long, long time. I know. I thought of that when he just said that. <laughs> yeah. Are you anywhere near San Francisco? Uh, no, not really. We're uh, kind of in the Sierra foothills, Donna, but when you come by here, we'll, we'll show you a real good time. We're not near the city. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna remember what you just said. <laughs> yeah, she's been she's been wanting to, she's never been there. She's been wanting to go there, and she wants to start way down in San Diego and work her way up all the way up to Washington State. She wants to just see that whole west coast. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's real pretty, but you know we do have earthquakes out here once in a while, so you just watch out. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've spent a few nights in those truck stops out there in Ontario and uh you know the LA area and it wasn't any big deal to be shaken awake a little bit by those little earthquakes. You know, when I first got out there it was kind of a pretty scary thing. I looked around and nobody else seemed to even be paying any attention, so finally I got to that point. Uh I'll tell you, you never really get used to it. We don't really have many of them up here. Uh but anyway, if you're gonna come out here there's no idling, you gotta keep that in mind. Uh, well, we'll we'll come out in our car, but yeah, she's. Uh, I didn't know if she knew you were out there, but she's been wanting to do that. But well, which which will bring up a good topic for later on in the show about the idling out there. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know that's uh, California leads the way in a lot of things like that. But well, Mark, look, I guess uh, I guess when you started truck driving in '91, you were um, 45 years young. It was all brand new to you, never had done it before. So. Um, what what got you interested in a long-haul trucking career at that point in your life? Well, I had to work, okay, and it was something that had actually been floating around in my little head ever since I was about 11 years old, and I will read a small section of the book later which will explain that. Um, I actually watched a bunch of truck drivers backing up one day, and I never forgot it. And uh, over the years, uh, a lot of college, in and out of college, in and out of college again and again and again, uh, I never quite forgot about driving trucks, and then, gosh darn it, just one day, right around my 45th birthday, I thought, I still want to do this. I had uh, earned a uh, chauffeur's license in 1971, but there wasn't any work, and um, I just went back to doing other things. I pretty much forgot about it, but then the light bulb went on, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history, and I, I don't regret it for a minute. Well, now, did you have intentions of, of, you know, of writing the book all along, or did that idea just come to you later? No, I didn't have the intention of writing a book all along. What started to happen was I'd come home from the road, and people we knew would ask me, what's it like out there? And I would try to explain to them, and uh, one of them once said, you know, you should write a book about this. And I said, oh, yeah, right, you know, sure. And uh, that percolated for a few years, and... Um, then I finally actually got started on writing the book. Uh, I took notes while I was driving. Uh, I made a lot of uh, cassette tapes. I had a dispatch buster, and um, I used it too. Uh, but when I was driving, if an idea occurred to me, I would babble it into the tape recorder. When I came home from the road, I had about 90 of these darn things, and I had to listen to all of them. Most of them were useless. My wife, Gail rode with me for two years, and she took notes, and we talked a lot, a lot about a book. And then when I got off the road in April of 2001, I just sat down and I started writing. I'd never written anything like that before, and uh, it took a few years. I'll tell you, it took a few years off my life, too. 
Well, I tell you, it was um, it's, it's it's a good book. I think uh, well, it's over there on Donna's desk, but it's well over three hundred pages long. So it's it's a good read. But I was surprised at uh at all the uh, the accuracy and the quotations and everything you had in there. So you you really kept some good records out there. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, the book also makes a good doorstop. <laughs> well, well, I'm not going to use it for that, but, but yeah, I, I like it. It's very well written, written and everything. But I guess once, uh, once you got started, um, I mean, I guess it goes to say the trucking life was wasn't like anything like you expected it to be. Uh, uh, there were a lot of surprises along the way that basically caught you off guard, so to speak, huh? Well, yeah, there is that. You know, the truth is, I. I didn't know what to expect. You know, back then, Alan, we didn't have the resources that, that the newbies have today. We didn't have shows like yours. We didn't have books. We didn't have YouTube clips, which will show you exactly what it's like to be in a truck. Uh, we didn't have blogs. We didn't have the Internet, of course. So there's a lot more now that people can learn about it before getting in. But I just basically jumped in, and um, I'm one of the fortunate people who – I just loved it right from the very start. You know, it's, it, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like I, I woke up and smelled the diesel. It really just got into my blood, and uh, and I loved it. And uh, there's times I kind of miss the road still, but uh, as you know, I had to make a choice. I had to choose between being out on the road, having a good time, and, uh, and a marriage. And I chose the marriage, and uh, I don't regret that for a minute. Um, it's a shame, too, that, that drivers have to sometimes make a choice like that. I think we all know that folks are just kept away from home. It's not deliberate. Uh, it's not that the companies are nasty or anything like that. It's just the nature of the work, and um, kind of tough sometimes. Families do take the hit. I'm well aware of that. But I also want to say that I really wanted to write something that people who were not in trucking would be able to to get a grip on, you know, so they could understand a lot about what we do. I mean, you can tell people if you've got it, a trucker brought it, but they'll just look at you like you're crazy. They'll say, well, what do you mean? You know, I went to the store and I pulled it off the shelf. A truck driver didn't bring me that. And a lot of people do not understand the importance of our industry um, in the way we all live here. And, and that's true in any industrialized country. You've got to have trucks, and you've got to have truck drivers. And darn it, you got to treat them right, too. Well, do you think people even care? You know, quite honestly, generally, I don't think people do until they see something in the newspaper and there's a wreck. And then the first thing they care about is blaming the truck driver. And as we all know, that's not always the way it went down. So... Generally, no, I don't think people care very much. I don't think I concern myself that much with uh, the farmer who grows my food. And there's no disrespect there. It's just that there's a lot going on in our lives. But, yeah, I think you're right. People don't care. <laughs> yeah, and you can't really force them to care, you know. But, you know, oh. Don, it's interesting that he brings up the YouTube and all this stuff because that was one of the questions I had was, uh, you know, this all this social media now and trucking wasn't there, you know, two decades ago. Um, no, I think all they had was uh, was the forums, um, and pretty much, you know, people just uh, just drivers were in there. So nothing was ever out to the general public. It was just drivers talking about different issues, which still goes on um, today. 
<clears throat> and actually they have a bigger social media preference than they did 20 years ago also, the trucking, for, the trucking forums. Uh, but to um, get back to the um, people don't care, um, well, they don't care because everything is on the shelf. They would care if it wasn't on the shelf, and that's unfortunately all of us. We're not aware of a situation until our our life is uh, turned upside down a bit. And at that point, um, and, you know, that probably won't happen. I won't say never because you can never say never, but um, at that point people will want to know why did this happen. Uh, Up until then, you know, as you know, we struggle with trying to get, excuse me, issues um, out to the general public, things like parking and safety, and it goes on deaf ears. And just what you said, Mark, you know, people are on overload, information overload, so, you know, they'll hear it and it's not, you know, oh, yeah, okay, and then they're on to the next thing. Uh, that's what it would take, really, to have people concerned because at that point they'd want to know how did this happen, what happened. And, you know, I hate to say that, but that's unless we have a tremendous social media surge of people just blowing up Twitter with all our issues, then that that's just the way it is. Oh, I'm, I have to agree with you. Uh, I know in our town it took a lot of work by a lot of truck drivers to get the city council to allow drivers who were off, they needed places to park their rigs, mostly their trailers, uh, to allow them a street where they could actually leave their equipment. A lot of people didn't want that. And uh, it's just they didn't understand just exactly how everything comes here you know we have two highways that come in here they're not very big bad highways either they're not interstates and everything in town comes up on trucks and they still the city council a lot of people they didn't want truck drivers parking their trucks here so you've got this double-edged sword where it's true that they need us it's also true they don't understand the importance of what we do and that's that's not to fault or take away from the importance of the people who conceive of things who who manufacture them, but it's to stress the importance of transportation. I think it kind of comes down to respect. The city council didn't have much respect for guys in trucks, and it just took a few very articulate truck drivers to stand up before the city council and say, look, we're citizens. We're good citizens. We pay our taxes. We live here. We do need a place to park. And, uh, there was a little bit of a social movement in regards to that, and eventually the city council kind of saw the light. But it takes that kind of struggle um, to get the point out. Um, I just don't see any other way. People, they're just not aware of it. Well, the mayor of, um, uh, I don't know if you listened to the show on the Women's Trucker uh, Network. They also have a blog talk radio show. And actually the, the council had the same thing going on in, um, what is it, Warner Robins, Georgia. And he actually called in the show because of all the truckers that uh, were really um, quite upset over there. And he explained himself, listen, you know, it's, it's I'm trying. Um, and they called some kind of council to change things. 
So it was the truckers themselves making a big ruckus and then the radio show and spreading the word. And before you know it, um, you know, things were happening. Now, I don't know the outcome of that uh, of that con- that yeah meeting or conference, whatever you, you want to call it. Um, it happened about three days ago, and I haven't heard. But there's there's a case where social media uh, did did help a situation like that. Well, now we have a lot more tools for that yeah. kind of activity, and I guess you'll see more and more of it. Um, hopefully, those folks will be able to park their trucks where they need to park them, and hopefully, there will be an understanding on the part of the community that those trucks represent everything they have on their shelves. <laughs> and as you said, as soon as those shelves get empty, they're kind of going to want to know why. Oh yeah, how did the how how could this happen? And then the interest will be, you know, and then the big uh list of everything going on uh for them right now. So, uh but that's just the way it is and you know, we're we're probably guilty of similar things in other areas that we're probably apathetic or indifferent about because it's not affecting our life, because all of us are on overload. So you can't expect people uh, to be empathetic um, unless there's a reason to be empathetic, unless there's a big headline or something uh, somewhere on, on you know national news, which, which isn't the case. So that's why we just plug along uh, with social media and try to get as many people on board as you can, and, and that really um, can make a difference. Well, clearly you and Alan are, I think, leading the way in this direction, and there will probably be more and more tools available. Uh, You mentioned Twitter. um, There's Facebook. Um, There are all kinds of ways that people can communicate with each other. You know, email even now now seems to be almost old-fashioned. So there's always something new. Um, But it probably comes down to um, people actually getting up at city council meetings or speaking to reporters and uh, basically explaining exactly what is what and trying to get people to understand. And, you know, a lot of cussing and swearing and bad attitude, it really doesn't help. We need folks who will just say, this is how it is, you guys. You know, you want your Hostess Twinkies. And, by the way, Hostess Twinkies will be coming back, in case anybody's wondering. Right. Uh, (laughs) What's that? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, one of these days, uh, I think somebody wants to buy the brand. So just, Donna, hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need them, but okay, I'd like to see them. Yeah, i got to get those exactly. You know, that re- represents a lot of jobs, too. And um, it's just that if people are going to have Hostess Twinkies, a trucker's going to bring them. And uh, I just like to, I like to say that to people, you know, uh, try to explain it, you try to explain it, and you get a blank stare. They just don't see the connection. Well, one thing I found really interesting on your book, because, uh, I mean, it it takes us back more than two decades, you know, to 91. And, um, you know, other than, you know, the tools that we have now with social media, uh, you know, reading through your book, you know, you're still – you're still kind of writing about the same issues, the same problems, the same obstacles that that drivers are still facing today. So set aside social media for a minute. I mean, can are there things that you can have can see from you know from then to today that has changed for the better for the driver in particular? Well, 
I would guess, I haven't been in a rig for 10 years, but I would guess that the trucks are even more comfortable now, most of them. Uh, and, and, of course, there are all these tools. But in general, I don't really see many changes, and, and I have to follow the industry through uh, through the Internet. I follow it on the forums, and I I see people asking the same questions, and I see people having posting about the same kinds of complaints. So quite literally, forgive me, where the rubber meets the road, I wonder if there are any real changes. You know, people are still complaining about uh, low pay, not getting home. Uh, there are a lot of complaints, my trainer this, my trainer that. I don't see that it's that much different. Um, okay, so we have all of these modern gadgets now, but it's still a job that people have to do, and I don't think the job has changed much, if at all since I started and since I left. That's well, just my I know there's a lot more regulations. Oh, well, there's that. And, of course, you know, you, you guys know this. I drove under what we used to call the 8 and 10. HOS is completely different now. I think I'd have probably been tearing my hair out over uh, <clears throat> having to be in a sleeper, you know, two consecutive nights from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. I certainly wouldn't do it, but I'll be blunt about it. I'd log it that way if I had to. I don't think that makes a lot of sense, but generally, I don't think that the nature of the work, the nature of the economic activity is really that different, and I, I candidly don't think the technology is going to make that much of a difference in the way people live on the road. That's just well, that's an opinion. Not... Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. That's just an opinion. <laughs> oh, well, no, that's kind of what I was getting into because um... – I mean, other than there's more regulations, but, you know, the question was, you know, better for drivers. But, And that's kind of what I was leading into. Like in Chapter 10, you get more into the regulations and particularly the hours of service rules, and you write something that I, I found to really be really be interesting. And it it, it just kind of caught me in a, in a strange way. I just liked it. It said you wrote um, – let's see, where is it? You wrote, often the choice was clear, violate the regulations – or violate myself. So, can you explain to our listeners what what a little bit more about what you meant by that? Well, you weren't supposed to drive as much as we used to drive back then. I mean, you know, paper logbooks and all. Uh, there were many times when I had a second book. So, if you went with the regulations, you stood a chance of being late. You stood a chance of irritating your company. And if you violated the regulations, um, you could probably deliver on time. And I I need to say that a lot of times. Violating the regulations means you're going to be a safer driver. Now, I can hear the people from the Highway Safety Coalition just going, oh, God, he's gone and said something terrible. But it seems to me that the regulations do, in fact, force people to drive when they're tired and to try to sleep. As I said, sleep, if you can call it that, when they're not. And one of the reasons that I had trouble with the regulations, and I think I probably would today, is that I'm not ready to, to sleep for eight hours every ten hours. You know, we all have a natural rhythm. It's a circadian rhythm. You know, it's a 24-hour clock. If you start that clock at 1 a.m., your, your rhythm is going to be upset. It, it's just that I preferred to drive when I knew I was awake and alert and therefore was in was more likely to be a safe driver, but I also will admit that I freely drove when I was burnt out. I shouldn't have done that. If the regulations can prevent people from being dispatched, 
so that they feel they have to do that, then I'm all for them. But I can't see that the regs really do that because the industry is, this is not a bad thing, really. It's driven by economics. And once the dispatch is laid out and once the company accepts the shipper's schedule and then the load has to be delivered at a certain time, it's up to the driver to put the ends together. And sometimes you violate the rules, but you're a safer driver. Other times you go with the rules, and that means that you're trying to sleep when you're tired. Or excuse me, that means you're trying to drive when you're tired and sleep when you're not. So that's pretty much what I meant. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> that, that's still mixed up, but it's still going on today. I think so. And, you know, I know now there are EOBRs and a lot of folks are on e-logs. And from what I read on the forums, a lot of folks really like the e-logs. Uh, I think a lot of guys get a lot of protection on the e-logs. You can't be dispatched to do something too stupid, you know. But back in the day, uh, I did it willingly. <laughs> but I was also willing to use the hours of service and say, look, I don't have the hours for this. And um, I caught a lot of flack for that, and I know other guys at the company did too. Nowadays, it's a little harder to push the system, or maybe it's almost impossible. It really wasn't hard to pull over in a small town and create a whole new logbook, and I did that more times than I'd care to admit. And the only reason I would do it was to be on time with my delivery. So that kind of thing there, yeah, I'm violating the hours of service wholesale, and I'm also trying to violate myself a little. But there are other times when the choice was really very clear. I could say no because I didn't want to do an all-nighter and a burnout, and I could say no because I didn't have the available hours, and I knew that if I was stopped and I hadn't had time to cook a second book that I would be in a lot of trouble. So it's both. But I I, I said also in that chapter that I felt that that driving when I knew that I was awake and alert. I mean, who knows better than me? Who knows better than you? You know better when you're tired and when you're not. The book doesn't. I think where it really matters most is in a regular line haul. As you all know, the irregular line haul schedules, you know, one day you're you're driving and you're supposed to try to sleep at night, and the next day it's just the opposite. Um, it just... <laughs> man, it just doesn't work, you know? <laughs> I never quite knew how to how to rationalize it for myself, but the problem was, I think, is the attempt to place a regular framework of HOS rules on an irregular activity. And again, I think that applies probably mostly to irregular OTR, which, by the way, I really liked. I mean, I got off on the variety of it, and uh, and yet I was tired a lot. Yeah, and I think you hit it too. The, uh, I mean, the entire set of HOS rules is established for all CMV drivers, and all CMV drivers uh, are different. So you know that that plays the uh, obstacle there too. But let's grab, um, let's take a caller from Texas, area code nine zero three. He's been there for a little bit. So uh, welcome to the show. Good evening, Alan. Uh, Hi. And Donna, and your guest. Hi. Who's this? I just wanted to I just wanted to inform you that oh, Warner handy. Robbins rescinded the law and they and the mayor even went on to the Dave Nemo show on Sirius XM radio and made an announcement about it and invited truckers to stop by City Hall to shake his hand. 
Oh to- my God! That's uh, this is the um, Warner Robbins uh, in Georgia. Uh, we were talking about a little earlier about the city council with the trucks. Yes. So, so they have changed it, huh? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's just a big congratulations to everybody. Yes. Thank you. Um, this is Sandy calling in. Sandy Talbot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great, Sandy. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. And I'll hush and listen. This is very interesting. All Thank, right. Thanks. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks again. Uh-huh. We'll see. We'll see, Mark. There's a there's another example of you know the social media thing kind of getting in there and and which kind of wasn't there in your days. But you know, I, I still find your book interesting the way you write about the the things that we're still going through today. I mean, 22 years ago. Um, when you first started driving, you, you write about documenting everything, taking pictures of Qualcomm messages, recording your orders by dispatchers, and, and here it is, 2013, and drivers are still facing the same struggles, the same obstacles. And, and look, I, I want to read you an email I received yesterday from a driver after he read one of my articles online. And, uh, I mean, I won't read, you know, everything said, just kind of big pit, bit, bits and pieces of it, but... Uh, he, he wrote, he sent me an email, he said, I just finished reading your article and nothing really surprises me anymore. I have given up on driving CMVs and will never return. Now this, now this is just my opinion, and I know you have been a professional driver for a long time, but I find the trucking industry to be one gigantic scam. And he goes on and says, while our nation depends on trucking to get goods delivered, the trucking industry is designed to make a small number of people very, very rich at the expense of the drivers who do all the work. I have had enough. Your articles only justifies my decision to get off the road. And he finishes, I have worked for three major companies over the past three years and found them all to be nothing but scams, liars, thieves, and just dishonest people work for these companies. So you write about how truck drivers are shortchanged with every paycheck, not compensated for the work they do, how the hours of service rules are uh, unrealistic as they are dangerous, uh, you write about the, the threats drivers face out on the road toward themselves, their trucks and cargo, and how the lifestyle you know nearly all but destroyed your marriage. Yet, you write how you love driving. So can you expand on this? Because even though, I mean, I, I was basically the first to go public with the truth about trucking and all the scams that this guy is writing me about, but even though there are drivers who do well with trucking, but the large majority do not, so... Reading your book, you were uh, doing and facing the same obstacles and struggles that drivers are still facing today, 22 years later, yet you wrote how you love driving. So can you explain some of this? Because what can be seen as a mixed message to so many newcomers to the industry is confusing. You know, we, we have all these problems and struggles and hardships, but yet there's drivers that still love it. I mean, can you expand, expand that a little bit? Uh, in a word, no. I <laughs> I really struggle with that a lot. All of what you said is true, and yet, yes, I really loved it. I've done a lot of things in my life, and you know, in, in terms of of getting paid for stuff, I don't think I ever enjoyed anything as much as steering and gearing. And and there's there's the aspect of driving into the sunset, and there's the aspect of seeing the country. Yeah, you see it through a windshield, but you know, you get a real good picture of what our great country is all about from the highway. It's it's not the same as uh, as watching TV. You're really there. And, um, and also the two lanes. So 
for me, it was just, man, I was seeing the whole United States. I was seeing every state. And then also, as you know, I went through a kind of little personal emotional crisis out there where I sort of basically took a real good look at myself. And I wasn't too happy with what I saw. And I'll be frank about it. I worked darn hard to make some changes. Uh, the solitude of the road allowed that. And uh, my great wife, who really just a wonderful person, um, she allowed me to be out there. And even though she saw that our, our marriage was deteriorating, she understood what it meant. I've always liked driving and looking at scenery and you know, going to different places, different docks, meeting different people. I I wrote this too. You know, I I got to where I love difficult docks. The harder it was, the more of a challenge it was. So I just yeah. liked all of it. But but at the same time, it was everything you said. It was just absolutely crazy. It was destroying my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's odd. It's an odd characteristic. I mean, I don't know any other industry that does. Uh, you know that that treats you know treats her employees this way. I mean the household goods. I mean I spent 29 years in household goods, and I don't have much anything bad to say about household goods. It's tough. It's not perfect. I mean yeah, there's problems, but you know they don't they don't have the things like freight hauling does. You know they don't blackball you with the with the DAC report. They don't make you sit you know for days. They don't punt. I mean it's just an odd characteristic that I find and. And I, I I hear from a lot of newcomers and people, you know, getting into the industry. And and one of the biggest questions they always ask me is, well, if it's really so bad, you know, why have you done it for so many years? And I'm kind of like you. Well, in me, in my case, I mean, after you do it for so long, it's really difficult to get out of it. And, uh, you know, so that that's a big problem. But I was just kind of curious uh because um, your book does detail a lot of the problems and hardships, and and yet at the same time you just you just go on and say how you absolutely love it. I mean, seeing the country and and all this, yeah, that's the great. But I wonder if you sat down at a long table and put the pros of trucking on one end and the cons on the other end. I I have a feeling the cons are going to outweigh the pros. Well, I think you're right. Um, I'm not sure I would tackle it today. Um, I think what often happens is is folks. They see a truck on the road and they think, I can do that. That would be great, you know. But there's so much, of course, sitting in their car watching a guy drive on the interstate that they can't know about the work. Um, maybe the guy hasn't had a shower for a couple of days. You know, maybe there haven't been any miles and uh, so there's no money. And that's that's another thing that, uh, that newbies often have trouble with. You know, generally speaking, um, truck drivers are not salaried. You're paid by the mile if there's no miles. There's no pay, and that isn't really one of the things that I see on a lot of recruiting websites. I, and, and I was never told this before. You know, once in a while, you're going to sit, and you're going to get a $100 paycheck or a $200 paycheck. But I, I have to tell you, Alan, I have never, ever fully, completely explained to myself this contradiction of loving this thing that was just so crazy. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it, you know. Um, well, I think it's like you said, the, the the travel. I mean, this is a beautiful country, and that's why Donna, you know, Donna hasn't been everywhere like I've had. You know, I've been in all all the states, and I've seen everything a million times, and I just never get tired of, I mean, the United States is a beautiful country. That's definitely a, a pro to the job. But, uh, I mean, one t I remember one week, I, it had to be the hardest working week of my life, and I took home a check of $69. Now, you'd think anybody with a brain would get, 
would do something else. But I think it's like you say. I mean, the, the diesel gets in your blood, and and the traveling gets in your blood. And you know, it, I, I guess you're always thinking. I, the way I was was like, well, next week will be better. Well, next week will be better. And before you know it, 36 years have gone by. Yeah. Well, like I said. Um, it is a contradiction, and here's this wonderful activity. The other part of it that I liked was, I guess I think of it in terms of, oh, I don't know, overcoming adversity, you know, difficult docs, uh, difficult people. You know, you just you just go through it, and, and, and you win internally because you delivered on time, because you hit that difficult dock, because you didn't get really ticked off at that dock worker or uh, – you didn't cuss out your fleet manager or something like that. There's something to standing a little taller. And uh, I guess for me personally, I sort of needed a dose of that in my life. But at the same time, yeah, you're right, man. There's a lot of it out here that's really bad. And, and, and you know, and on the flip side, there are good companies. But what gets me about sure. this industry is you have to uh, – this idea that you have to pay your dues. I don't know any other industry where the employee has to pay their dues so hard – in this industry, and even when you do find a good company, uh, there's still one of the biggest struggles that still goes on, even with a good company, is the struggle between um, the safety department and the dispatch department. I mean, if if I do what the safety department wants me to do, I'm going to make the dispatcher mad. If I do what the dispatcher wants me to do, I'm going to make the safety department mad. But the one that I'm really focused on is the dispatcher because he's the one who's going to determine, well, I get a $100 check that week or I get a $1,000 check that week. But I don't know why drivers have to be put into positions like this when I can't think of any other industry that that, that works this way. Yeah. Well, I know um, <clears throat> when you were out, I know you had been um, talking to uh, – Jeff Barker on Facebook, I guess, last week or a few days ago or something like that, and he called when you were out this morning. But um, he's actually going to uh, be addressing that pay, uh, that pay topic that seems to be the number one issue right now with drivers, uh, according to our survey anyway, truck parking being number two. And uh, one of the things that, a lot of people say is that you have to look for the company. Um, It's not always just the big companies. There's a lot of companies that do pay uh, fair wages and treat their drivers um, fairly and respectfully. So a lot of that falls on the responsibility of the driver. Um, You know, that letter you read, Alan, I mean... I don't know, I I read at least five of those similar, perhaps not, you know, so well written. Oh, I get them them every day, and and that's why I wanted to get Mark's opinion. Has anything really changed? Because, I mean, we've been doing this. Now, I guess this guy just found me, you know. He doesn't know that, you know, I was was really the first one to go public with all this stuff. But it's kind of discouraging for me, Mark, when I – I'm still getting emails like this from drivers who, who've been – I mean, I had one driver write me who's been driving for uh, 10, 15 years and still making above poverty levels. So, you know, now my first question is, well, why are you still with the company? But yeah. um, Really? I know. You know, but I, I guess it's like, uh, you know, you said, Donna, that – and then again, the new people coming in, 
well, they don't know who the good companies are to look for. Plus, they got to get the experience, and I mean, I can go on and on and on. But, um, but anyway, not not to get all dragged down here, Mark. Let's get back to um, let's get back to your book. I mean, it's a really good book. It's 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 just really great. I haven't finished it. It was more than what I could read in two days. But share some of a share some of the excerpts from the book like you were uh you mentioned in the beginning uh in, you know anything you want to do and the the link to the book to Amazon is in the uh show description but uh share a little bit more about the book with us well thank you uh this is a short section from the prologue uh <clears throat> it's kind of where it started for me San Francisco California 1957 where does the circle begin tormented by schoolyard bullies determined to fight back a boy registers for boxing lessons. As his father completes the paperwork, the son glances through an open gymnasium window. Across the street, truck drivers back semi-trailers to loading docks set in the curbside wall of a brick warehouse. The vehicles perform a mechanical dance, graceful and efficient, and the boy watches, captivated by the sinuous, dependent movements of tractors and trailers. He never forgets. I was 11 years old, and so you asked earlier where this all kind of started with me, and I think that was the morning when perhaps I sort of knew that sometime in the future I was going to get out on the road, and uh, and I did. And again, uh, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. Just just one thing, Alan. You know, um, if a guy's really not making much above poverty level, why is he staying with a carrier for 10 or 12 years? And, and Donna, as you said, you know, people are looking for good companies. But when you're just starting something, how do you know? Um, a lot of people who want to get into leasing, they want to be owner-operators, and they say, well, I know I have to be a businessman. I have to run the truck like a business. But those are just phrases. I don't think a lot of the guys really understand just what that means. And as far as paying dues, I don't think you need to be abused if that's what paying dues really means. Maybe, maybe you have to stay with the carrier for a year. I know, I think some of these mega carriers have contracts. Um, you could still learn a lot in all of that time. I mean, even if even if the trainer is, is, is really obnoxious, um, you know, you're not going to live with them forever. Um, and I really shouldn't say what's obnoxious for one person or another, but, uh, and I was lucky. I had a trainer who was just a, straightforward level-headed guy you know he was out there yes he was out there to get paid for the trainees miles but once he figured out that I was serious about learning I mean we settled down and we ran as a team and I think a lot of times the complaints about trainers well yeah I'm sure some of them are really weird but I think every once in a while you just got to man up put up with what you have to put up with but in terms of paying your dues to me, that doesn't include abuse. Well, I agree. And and what you were saying reminds me of something I read in your book. I don't have it in front of me now, but <laughs> one of the things you said you wrote was um uh what was the difference between what was the difference between little puppies and, and truck drivers? Yeah. Uh little puppies eventually stop whining. That's so, right. I mean so you were pretty you you're pretty hard on a little bit of everything in there. <laughs> Well, I I tried to throw everything in there, Alan. I'll tell you, I honestly wanted to try to touch every topic, if only slightly. I mean, you're limited. Uh, the original version of the book was almost 500 pages, and a literary agent said, I like this, but you got to cut it down. 
you've got to make this thing just a shade over 300 pages or no one's going to read it. And um, he was right. He, he was quite right about that. But I will say again, you know, that paying your dues doesn't include getting abused. It might, it might include working for a little low pay. But I will tell you that on one of the forums, there's a guy who got his CDL. I think he paid for it himself. And uh, he immediately got on with uh, a small outfit that he got in contact with through the trucker's report. And he, uh, he's actually allowed to go out and broker his, not broker, but negotiate rates for the loads that he pulls. And I'm sure he just gets everything okayed by his boss. But he's not paying his dues the way the guys who go to the mega carriers are paying. He's paying his dues by learning, and he's going to earn significant amount of money this year. I think he's been at it for about nine months. Um, so I, I guess I do take issue with this paying your dues business. You know, if if that means that you once in a while have to do what the trainer says, then that's not the end of the world. You know, if the guy says, okay, you're going to back into this difficult dock and you start wringing your hands and you say, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, the trainer has to say, yeah, you can and you're going to do it. But Paying your dues? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that one. Uh, I guess I didn't think of it that way for myself. Not sure. Not sure. Yeah. Well, we just we. It's just an odd characteristic for for an industry, and it, and it's been that way for so long. In fact, at the beginning of chapter ten, I have your book now here. I found this. I found this pretty interesting, Don. I don't know if you saw it or not, but you you quote something from Life magazine. Oh yeah. And, and it yeah. says. Um, it says, fatigue is a truck driver's biggest enemy. He must sometimes spend 72 hours at the wheel without prolonged rest. If he trucks between San Antonio and El Paso, he may drive the 1,100-mile round trip practically without stop. And what's interesting about that statement, Donna, it was written in Life magazine in July 12, 1937. Wow. <laughs> so, so you know, the question has anything much really changed? Well, that that's kind of the answer right there. I hope nobody's running seventy-two hours straight anymore. And actually, that's that's that article really just knocked me out. I found that quite by accident. Um, it, it's that's part of the reason why by March first, nineteen thirty-nine, there were federal hours of service regulations. Um, a lot of truck drivers were doing stuff like that, and it was pretty clear to anybody who was listening or looking that this wasn't the way to run an industry, that these guys, these cats were killing themselves, and they were they, they were killing other people too, you know, and it just had to change. But when I saw that, I thought, that really explains why the federal government came up with hours of service regulations. Oh, and by the way, you know, that, that kind of got, the ball kind of got rolling to get the feds involved in 1935. But as early as 1923, a number of states had their own hours of service regulations. I had no idea that it went back that far, but I couldn't stay awake. 72 hours. I couldn't do it. Could you? <laughs> no. No. Uh, I mean, I've I, I done it in my earlier days, but I shouldn't say. But, yeah, I mean, because right, right, uh, right below that statement, you have another one from the Federal Register on July 8, 1936, uh, 
about what the objective of the safety regulations of the Interstate Commerce Commission's Bureau of Motor Carriers, which it was known for back then, and it's almost word for word as the statement of the FMCSA is today. I think almost everything they do really takes a page from the earliest federal regulations, um, except now they have sleep science, and uh, I don't know how to uh, <clears throat> be any more sarcastic about that than just try to put that into my voice. Uh, it, it, they're still trying to do that stuff, and it seems to me that it's it's and, and time has shown that even with whatever science you can come up with, it's still very difficult to impose a regular framework on an irregular activity. You know, Alan, when the hours of service first began, driving was limited to 10 hours a day. That was it, 10 hours a day. But think what trucks were like back then. Maybe they're, oh, they had pneumatic tires, but I'm sure these things were really uncomfortable to drive. And after 10 hours bouncing around, you probably felt like uh, you'd been in a fight and the highway had won. Well, in 1962, the Interstate Commerce Commission started this thing where you could drive 10 as long as you had been off for eight. So that means that within 24, you could drive almost, almost 16 solid hours. And then, of course, as you know, things changed. But I think the government got into it because too many people were getting hurt. And as to whether or not they've gone overboard, I frankly think that the FMCSA DOT folks are kind of tone deaf there still had to be something. And that's another contradiction that I struggled with. I felt that rules were important. They made It made sense to have rules, but some of the rules that we had to run under just didn't seem right. They just didn't seem to take into account that you're not ready to sleep for eight solid, good, restful hours every 10 hours. I can't do it, and I wouldn't even want to try. So somewhere along the line, Push comes to shove, and I guess it's the rules that win, and the individuals, the body, your circadian rhythms, that's on the losing end of this thing. That's how I see it. Well, what's your thoughts about trucker pay? Uh, I mean, you can go back two, three decades, and uh, it was interesting. I was looking through a, um, oh, uh, uh, an old, uh, I can't remember, was it Overdrive, Donna? Just one of the old uh, I think it was Overdrive. Yeah, they've been around forever. And uh, this was like a 74 issue that I was flipping through, and I saw an ad where a company was was uh, hiring for uh, 34 cents a mile, which is, uh, I think that was in 1974, and here it is, 2013, and it's uh, basically still the same. Well, I have four words pay is too low. If you consider what truck drivers do and the value that they bring to everything we use and the social price they pay being away from home and the daily threats to their lives, their trucks, and their cargo, they're not getting paid enough money, period. That's my position on that. There are, however, some drivers who manage to find niches that get them bigger, better bucks. But I think it takes time for people to except for exceptional people like the fellow I mentioned before who's been allowed to actually uh, negotiate rates on, on the truck that he drives. Most folks are probably making about what they made 20 years ago. What do uh, what some of the mega carriers pay now? 26 cents a mile? I mean, they were paying that 
way back when, when I started in 1991, what was it, 22 cents a mile? I can assure you that if somebody's getting 26 cents a mile now, that inflation has more than eaten up that four cent a mile difference. I mean, good heavens, showers are now 10 and 12 bucks. I'm just absolutely stunned to learn that one. I don't know how guys do it anymore. There was a carrier that actually used to pay for its drivers' showers, which is really a very nice thing, but they've stopped that. So that's another 10 or 12 bucks every couple of days that, well, that's just not income, you know. On the other hand, I don't think going for without a shower for a week is a great idea. Yeah, well, well, we hear from a you know a lot of people. Uh, I know Donna. Donna gets quite a few emails on her emails uh, from people coming right out of CDL schools, and they go right into the training company and everything for for what Donna twenty twenty six twenty seven cents a mile. It's pretty low, and the the sad thing is, see there. <laughs> The, the turnover rate or the, the failure rate for first-year drivers is so incredibly high. And the uh, problem with the over, um, how could you put it, you know, the recruiters making the job seem, you know, totally wonderful, sugarcoating it, the expe- expectations become so high of the person that they're going to be making all this money and life's easy then they get in there they're never home they're not making any money so that that's for the um that will uh increase the failure rate for first year drivers and then you have your driver shortage um which you know they're saying not enough young people are coming in the industry and they can't figure out why which i'm i'm sure they're intelligent and they know why but they what they can't figure out is how can we get people in without paying them is is what they can't figure out so well, that's going to be pretty hard to do but as you know for the major carriers um after all said and done they're lucky to make 7 8 9 cents a mile so i think that the only way to pay drivers more is to raise rates but as you know after deregulation of 1980 we're in a competitive market, so you can't just arbitrarily raise your rates, and not everybody can work the spot markets where you know rates are 250 a mile or more. And um, I've started to think that even the carriers are caught in this in this thing. You know, there's trucks cost more every year, fuel costs more, even with surcharges, everything costs more. But and, and, and here again, it's another one of these contradictions, and I don't have an answer for it. Somewhere along the line, got to figure out how to pay the drivers more money. And I think that would do a lot for the industry's notorious turnover rate. It's not just a matter of not getting home. It's not just a matter of parking. It's a matter of people need money to live. And given the contribution of every truck driver out there, and I mean even the rookies, a guy taking his first load from California to Texas, he is making a contribution, but he's doing it for pennies. Well, uh, do you remember what uh, what was diesel in 91? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, no, you can't ask me because I was a company driver. Uh, I think the first diesel I ever purchased was when I leased the first truck in 90. No, uh, ninety four, and gosh darn it, I think Wyoming fuel that used to be a really good state. That was about eighty nine cents a mile. Maybe somebody listening can tell us tell us different. I don't know, but the last fuel I purchased 
in 2001 was at the pilot in uh, Joplin, Missouri. And I think it was a dollar fifty-eight a gallon then. Wow. And so so things have really changed, and I don't because I've never actually had to deal with it. I don't fully understand uh, the surcharge thing. Some people seem to think that if they're getting ninety cents a mile and they're getting say thirty cents a mile on the fuel surcharge, that they're earning a dollar thirty a mile, a dollar twenty a mile. Pardon my math. And I've I've seen other people say no, that's not the way to look at it. So I really don't know. Uh, but again, that's what I paid. And when I see some of the prices for diesel, and remember I live in California, and fuel here has just gotten to be horribly expensive. And on top of that, you better not be idling. I'll tell you that. Um, I just don't know how people make it. I don't understand it. Um, and but I think the carriers are all squeezed a bit too. Uh, and and I just don't know. But the, the to get back to it, the short answer is that driver pay is too low. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of negatives to the job, but there are a lot of those out there and a lot who write me and a lot who listen to this show who, just like you, Mark, is something that they really want to do. So uh, looking back on those 10 years and looking, you know, a few decades ahead now where we're at, um what advice would you have for uh, you know those kind who just you know they hear all this but you know they just they just want to give it a try anyway? Well, as we've said, there's a lot more information out there. Um, I would certainly read Alan Smith's book. Um, I would also suggest that people spend a lot of time looking at Overdrive.com. You know, Todd Dills, extraordinary journalist. Well, he's great, a great guy, isn't he? What's that? He's a great guy, isn't he? Todd is just a wonderful man. I don't know any other way to put it. Um, he writes dynamite fiction. You may not know that. But um, he is a wonderful resource. Anybody, whether they're just getting into the business or whether they've been in it for a while, anybody who's not reading Overdrive online every day is simply not informed. And I think Todd has an awful lot to do with that. And uh, one of these days, Todd, if you're listening, I've said it before, buddy, I'm buying dinner, you know. Um, so so there's that. And there also I've become addicted to a lot of YouTube clips uh, by various truck drivers. There's, um, there's Chris Polk. I think uh, some of you folks may know him. He just did a recent rant on uh, – <clears throat> the low bridge clearance problem in uh, in New York. And if you've ever driven to New York uh, and you see a bridge that says 12-6 and you've pulled over and then you've watched other drivers go right under it, you know what feeling kind of silly is all about. Uh, and and just, there's just so much stuff out there. Let me just say there's the Internet forums. Uh, Alan, can I mention a specific forum? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, there's the Trucker's Report, you know, and you can find that easily on the Internet. You couldn't do better than that. There are books to read. Uh, man, there's just all kinds of stuff. You know, I said that one of the ways that I had learned about trucking, learned something about it, was I actually went to a truck stop. And I know that, that, that some people say, that's really silly. You know, you'll get called all kinds of names and go told to get out of here and all that. But the, the guys I met, when they saw, when they understood that I really wanted to know what this whole thing was about, they were just right there with with it, you know, there there were union guys who said they wouldn't drive for any carrier that that wasn't union, and there were other fellows who were out on the road, 
and they loved it. And there was one guy said, you're never going to be home. Uh, this is my third marriage, <laughs> but I love trucking and I'm not giving it up. There are a lot of resources for people. Um, it, there's just so much out there right now. And, and yet I know that it's, it's not easy to find things. You can't just go to YouTube and plug in truck driver. So let me just say that if you go, to, if you go looking at YouTube and you look up trucking diaries, okay, it's run by uh, a wonderful woman whose name is Alicia. I do not know her last name. And she's one of the most interesting people in the world. She came to the United States from Poland. And she got into trucking. I still don't know how. And it just swept her away like it swept me away. She just loves the activity. And you've got to watch her videos. That will teach you a lot about the industry. And I don't mean watching all these crash compilations. You know, those are kind of amusing and they're kind of sad at the same time. But I would say definitely, definitely use that Internet. Use the forums. Use YouTube. Read Overdrive.com. So that's where I'd start. Yeah, and Donna, we say that a lot too. He's kind of right along with us. Just, I mean, I mentioned it the other day. I, I put up another article um, on the Examiner about trucking books, and uh, one of the best ways for newcomers to to learn this industry before jumping in it, you know, flat feet is to you know just read, read all you can. I just put that that link up. Um, that you wrote about a few people that have a few truckers that have uh, some books out uh, on the examiner in that article. So I put that link out. I know Jeff Head, he's on here tonight. Oh, by the way, I think he wrote that back in '91. It was ninety on the East Coast and a dollar and twenty-five on the West Coast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, there's there's anyway. another one I'd lo- I'd like to mention. Um, I can't remember her name right now, but it's called Road Rage. Little Trucker, and it's a blog. You can go go to Google and go Road Rage Little Trucker, and you'll get there. Um, this is a very smart, very energetic, very savvy woman who's a flatbedder, and she got into hauling cars. And her blogs are just a real delight, and I would recommend that to anybody. That just came to mind. Uh, there's just so much out there, you know, and you, you never know where you're going to find it. There's a really fine, big-hearted gentleman named Dan Hansen. And Dan wrote an article, it's titled, The Trucker, Truck Driver You Flipped Off, Let Me Tell You His Story. It appeared in the Star Tribune, I guess that's a Minneapolis paper, and that sucker went around the world. It went viral. Um, I got to know Dan a little because of that article, and he was interviewed by NPR. You can also find that on the Internet, and you can learn a lot about trucking from a guy like Dan Hansen. He's a fleet manager, and he really cares, and... Um, well, he's just a great guy. He's he's just a great guy. I can't say enough good about Dan Hansen. Um, there's just so much. I mean, uh, I had yeah, a list we, somewhere. I apologize. I don't have a list. Maybe I can oh, send okay. you some links. We saw, we saw that article, too, Donna. You remember that one? No, I don't. I was just trying to think. Yeah, it was, it was quite a while back, but, yeah, we saw it. I mean, Mark's right. It, it went viral and everything, and it was good. But this uh, your, your book here, In the Driver's Seat, Mark, uh, well, you're working on uh, – it pretty much turned you into a writer now. You're working on other things too, right? Yes, sir, that's right. Uh, right now I'm struggling to finish a novel. Um, it's a good one. 
a uh, lot of revenge killing in it, and uh, and then I'm working <laughs> on a memoir. You may recall from the book that I mentioned a dog, and Sam was our golden retriever, and right. uh, when he was dying, the company didn't know that it was a dog, and they messed with me a lot about getting home, and he was a big part of our lives, so I'm writing a memoir about that. He was... Uh, a real interesting dog, man, I'll tell you. I mean, uh, attitude. <laughs> you ever had a dog with attitude, you know what I'm talking about. He wasn't a Marley uh, kind of dog that, that tore things up. So I'm doing that, and I've got a couple of uh, screenplays that I'm, I go back to him once in a while. One is about a truck driver, a woman who uh, basically kills a lot of her boyfriends. You know, you got to make it exciting or they won't want to make a movie. <laughs> you and there's another one there, I have. Huh? science fiction idea that I'm kind of toying with, and every time I bring it up, people kind of raise their eyebrows and look at me, so I may not get very far with that one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, my life has now become that of a writer, and I I will admit that I spend uh, inordinate amounts of time with a certain Stratocaster fender over here that's within reach. I'm touching it right now. I've modified it a number of times, and uh, um, I guess that's my new touchstone, whereas it was trucking, now it's that Strat. And, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I've, I've become a writer. But thank you well, for saying a, that. I, there's <laughs> a lot of um, very, very talented drivers. Um, yes. if you, are you on Facebook, Mark? No, I'm not. I'm still kind of scared of Facebook. And I, uh, I started a blog uh, to, to go with the book, but I just never – Never bothered with it. Most of my communication is email right now. And I know, folks, that that's real old-fashioned, but then that's me. I don't even know the phone number for my cell phone. <laughs> but there's, if you're ever on there, um, you'll you'll see there's there's a lot of very intelligent and creative drivers out there. And people forget that they have other ambitions also, other, you know, things they enjoy and hobbies. And a lot of them write very, very well. And well, I'm sure. You know, that's actually that's a point I wanted to make. Um, a lot of the people I met out there on the road were intelligent, creative people. Most of the folks had done other things in their lives. And um, I think we all bristle a little at the idea that truck drivers are a bunch of Neanderthals or just a bunch of slobs and brutes. That isn't the case at all. Um, there's a real life uh, out there, and um, more and more of it is showing up on the Internet, in blogs and, and on YouTube, and uh, and I think it's just great. And I guess, like you say, Facebook, too. Um, there's a lot of smart people driving trucks. <laughs> there is, and, you know, it's sad because it's always the um, the negative image of the driver that gets brought to the attention of, of the general public. And that's not to say that that doesn't exist. I mean, there there are a lot of, just the same way that there's a lot of very creative and intelligent drivers, and in any other occupation, you're going to have the other side of that coin. And unfortunately, it's that side that the general public, um, you know, notices and uh, becomes disgusted with. Of course, you can't see an intelligent driver. You know, you don't see somebody's... Uh, creativity and knowledge and uh, all that they're capable of doing, but you can be um, the negative of people. So images is uh, a, a tremendous obstacle, I think, 
that drivers are facing right now, and they're angry with their with their own uh, with their own fellow drivers with the image that they create. You know, a lot of it is you know. Um, I think the biggest thing is drivers that you know will empty their their jugs of of urine out on on pavement, and because of that, a lot of the places that used to not let them park used to let them park don't let them park anymore, and so they they have to face things like that. But it, if you do get on any of the um, social media sites like Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, where they really they really do write well and they're creative and smart and they have such tremendous ideas for the industry. Um, you know, it's it's actually you know inspirational to see that uh, to know that 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 goes on. Yeah, it's what you're talking about is, is stereotypes and mention that you were a truck driver and people just they go blank. You know, they don't want to hear about it. Or the first thing that comes up is this truck driver thing. I remember a nurse once asked me point blank, we had hardly ever met, is it true you guys take drugs and drive all night? She thought, that's what we do. (laughs) That's not what we do, folks. And I think we all realize that. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting, creative, intelligent people out there. And you can see it on the forums. You can see it on the YouTube clips. And I'm, I guess what you're saying is you're experiencing that um, through Facebook. And, again, a perfect example of that is this blog I mentioned. It's called Road Rage, Little Trucker. Oh, her name is Terry. And um, she takes great photographs, and she photoshops them, and she writes about her adventures in a lighthearted uh easy to read, fun to read way, and uh, I would definitely recommend it to you. You know, she's she's done a lot to beat the stereotype back. She's kind of short, and yet she was a flatbedder. She's hauling cars, and she's good at it, and she loves the work. So, yeah, there's we'll a lot look, of people out there. Yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah, there's a there's that misconception of drivers. One of the one of the most interesting drivers I ever met out on the road. This was going. Uh, this is going a ways back. I was at a I was at a truck stop uh, just outside of Phoenix, I believe it was, and uh, got to talking to this guy. He and I was the only ones in the at the truck stop having a bite to eat. It was like two thirty three in the morning, and he comes over and sits down. We get to talking, and he was an older guy, and I figured he'd been driving a long, long time, and he just happened to mention he'd only been driving six months, and so we got to talking, and turns out that he was a uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist <laughs> I can't remember but he he was up there I think I think it was a site may have been psychiatrist I think it was a psychiatrist cuz he yeah he did because he said something about you know prescribing medicines and stuff but he was a psychiatrist for the Reagan administration and oh, I didn't God. even know president's administration had <laughs> had such a thing but I just looked at him like Amazed, you know, it was like, and but we got to talking, and I said, "So you, you left working for the president for uh, to drive a truck?" And he just said, "He just, he just had enough," and and he kind of, he, it was kind of along your lines, Mark. He just wanted to get out of that environment and just see America and travel the road in the isolation, and and he was loving it. Well, that's that's another point, you know. Again, when people would ask me what it was like, I'd say, you really have to like being alone, and I would get a lot of strange looks. And from what I get, it's that's a very difficult part 
of the job if you're a solo driver. For many people, uh, there are folks like me, we're not sociopaths, but we really like our own company, and we're quite content to be out there on our own, and, and that is one of the attractions of the job, and I think that was one of the biggest attractions for me. Um, yeah, man, I mean, you just, I think back on it, I met a lot. I met a lot of goofy people. I met some crazy ones. I only met one that was really dangerous. I don't know if you've read that part about the handgun and all that. Um, most of the people I met were kind of like me. They're just working hard to get by and just uh, really enjoying the job. Um, well, I don't know. I can't remember offhand, but I certainly met some wild, crazy, funny uh, forklift drivers too. <laughs> It, 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 it was really exciting for me. It was a complete change from other things that I'd done, and I think it also came at a time when I needed it. Now, maybe there's someone out there who feels that they're in need of a bit of change, and maybe they need some time alone to think things through. Um, you couldn't do better than driving a truck. I mean, you have to keep paying attention to what you're doing. A truck takes up a lot of space, but you can do a lot of good work on yourself when you're out there alone, you know? And uh, candidly, I'd recommend it. <laughs> oh, you got a, you got a lot of time to think, that's for sure. So, so, so you look back on those ten years of OTR, the problems you faced, the, the, I mean, the good times, the bad times, the hardships. You know, like your marriage, the pay, the regulations, dispatchers. Uh, what else were you talking about? Illegal loads, the law enforcement. I mean, I could go on and on. So, but still, even with all that, uh, it, it was worth it. There's no question about it in my mind. It was definitely worth it. I think, frankly, aside from the fact that uh, I almost threw away what's really a wonderful marriage, uh, there's another contradiction for you. It was the best 10 years of my life. Not the most economically, financially satisfying 10 years of my life, but in terms of personal growth, in terms of filling me with ideas for books, uh, it was just great. It was just great. I think I, I, I ought to mention that for two years, uh, Gail rode with me. She didn't drive. She didn't want to. And I don't know if you've gotten that far in the book, Alan. You know that I greatly resisted the idea that she would be with me. Um, I just relished my time out there. And I know that there's someone out there listening who could probably use a little alone time. And uh, just don't do what I do and take it to the extreme of of busting up your marriage it, it isn't worth it let me also say please that we don't have any kids and i think that frankly if we had had youngsters i would not have tried to do something that would have kept me away from home and my hat is off to the working men and women who have raised good kids when daddy was a trucker because it's not easy to do it alone and that's it all gets put right on mom and um that's another aspect of the work, um, you're gone. And Gail used to say that, you're just gone, you know. And I don't think we expected that at the start. And um, it, it, I think it scared the heck out of her when she found out, when I found out and then kind of let her know um, that it was going to be, I'd be gone three, four, five weeks, and I'd be home for two, three, four days, and that would be it. She would see me when she saw me. And she put up with it for as long as she could. And then she said, you got to quit this. It's either the trucks or it's me. And um, my hat's off to her 
for making me make that decision. Um, I don't regret that I went out on the road. It was, as I said, a very good 10 years. But I also don't regret that I chose her over the trucks. And I'll be blunt about it. There were some times when I wasn't sure which side of that question I would come down on. And um, that's that's in the book, too. You know, I just lay it all out there. And I know that other people endure the same kind of struggle. And it gets back, Alan, to this thing about it's this great, crazy, wonderful activity that we like, that we love, that nourishes us. But at the same time, it's just tearing us up and it's tearing our families up. And uh, I wish there was a way around that. But if you're gone, you're not home. And that's what OTR means. Over the road means away from home. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest problem newcomers have. They don't really fully understand the lifestyle and and uh you know the the flip side to that too is uh, cuz you know I don't want to make people feel guilty it's the uh right. you have to do what you have to do to make a living and support your family i mean you know there's a big difference sure. from from living in uh, uh Miami Florida and living in in Timbuktu Kansas you know so uh some you know you, you just you got to do what you got to do you know and not not feel guilty about it but when it comes to that strain and that stress you know maybe there's sometimes you just you just maybe have to maybe move where another job is but donna we've mentioned this we've talked about this before too i mean you know people will read uh you know they'll they'll read my articles and posts and you know i'm pretty i'm pretty strong on the industry when it comes to uh standing up for the driver and uh people will read everything i'll i write and talk about and they still got to give it a try, and I guess it really boils down to, uh, I mean, you never you never know until you try, Donna. You know, I guess that's just, uh, I mean, I've had people write me back and say, well, you know, I read your book, and I decided to try it anyway, and everything you said uh, came true, but, you know, um, hey, I had to give it a shot anyway, and some will make it, and some will fail, and, and I, I, you know, it's just a shot in the dark, Donna, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I I tell people, um, yeah, I went on one trip with you, remember? And it was the first one, and it was the last one. And I very quickly knew that um, this was definitely not for me. So, you know, I think it goes back to saying that they get thrilled with the shiny truck and the open road and, and all like that, but... For those who it's really not in them, um, it, it's it's a rough life, and and the pay is low, and even even with with a decent pay, a lot of them I think would get out of it because of the lifestyle. Yeah, it's it's, it's just uh, it's a love hate relationship. It's really difficult to describe unless you just jump in there and try it, like like our our guest Mark did, and. And and his book in the driver's seat, you know, I would definitely recommend. You know, I'm, I'm about halfway through, but it's it's just really real, well written. And Mark, our time's winding down, but I want to give you one more last shot. Uh, was there anything specific in the book that you wanted to share with us? Well, in terms oh, of oh, you know what, we- I just I just opened up the book just. And, <laughs> well, you're talking about household goods carriers. I'm going to have to read that part. So. <laughs> Okay, but but go ahead. I, I want to give you I want to give you the opportunity if there's anything really particular specific that you wanted to get across on the uh, program tonight. Okay. Um, well, 
Let me read you the first couple paragraphs from the book. It's it's sort of germane to what we're talking about. But before I do, I just want to say, folks, it's not all negative out there. Uh, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of humor. You're going to meet a lot of really good people. So don't. I hope you don't think that we're trying to discourage you. Um, or, or that it's just nothing but one big sour mess, because it is not. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it was the best 10 years of my life. So, anyway, this is one of the first paragraphs from the book. Sam, our golden retriever, whined and barked. My wife, Gail, often said that he knew when I called from the road. He never barked if the phone rang and it was someone else. Then, always after her eager hello, her questions, where are you, how are you? How's the weather? Is it bad enough out there tonight to hurt you in the truck? You'll pull over if it gets worse or if you need to sleep, won't you? Do you miss me? When are you coming home? You've been away for five weeks. Sam just walks around the house looking for you. Do you miss me? At times I missed her more than I could say at a public phone. At times I didn't want to go home and I hated my selfishness, staying out there, having a pretty good time of it while she was left to worry. Does he love the truck more than he loves me? I hope she would never ask. I didn't want to lie, but I didn't want to tell the truth. And that kind of sums it up right there. Well, you know, and there's that's actually, those are very powerful words for someone who, who knows trucking. I mean, especially who knows trucking, because sometimes, you know, we talk about the drivers, we talk about the lifestyle, their hardships, the regulations, the low pay, the you know DOT everything the driver goes through, but that person at home yeah. is going through a lot that doesn't get talked about enough. No, um, I, I, if there's anyone out there who is keeping the home fires burning, I'd love to read your book. Okay, I'd like to know what it's like from the other side. I know what it was like from Gail's side, and I know there was just this big empty void there the guy he's not here does he really love the road more than me and like i said you know i i didn't want her to ask the question i guess i didn't want to answer it <laughs> well i i can relate i mean when i was in household goods and household goods it's a seasonal thing you got to run you know there's a time to run to make the money so i mean yes. you know when i when i switched over in the freight you know i would run three four weeks when i was in household goods i would run three four five months all right. And uh and one time I took off and uh you know told the kids goodbye and took off just so busy with my life and just thinking you know well you know just make you know make the money when I can make the money when I can and I finally get a call you know it's like when are you coming home and it <laughs> yeah. was like well I you know I, I I haven't been out there out long you know I'll I'll you know I'll try to get back home you know in a couple of weeks or so and they tell me you've been gone 4 months and you know, it seemed like three weeks. I didn't realize four months had gone by. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like that. When you're busy, when you're running, um, time really goes by quickly. And uh, I can see where it would get to be four months, and it would just sort of like hit you all of a sudden that you'd been gone that long. Um, so that's one of the tough parts of this profession that that a lot of us have chosen. And it is a profession. Um, it's a lifestyle. But, um, you know, I just want to say that if, if there's anyone out there and we haven't addressed your questions or you want to ask me anything, you can get to me at mark at inthedriverseat.net. That's M-A-R-C. And, uh, and I do respond to emails. And, and I really like 
hearing from people. So if, if there's something that wasn't covered, please let me know. I mean, Alan and Donna, thank you so much. They're going to go on to another show. But I'm here with my computer, and I'm happy and uh, doing that and the Stratocaster. And uh, I'd be more than happy to cyber talk with anybody who wants to. Please, don't be shy. Fire away at me. Well, sounds good. And listen, really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, uh, Mark Mayfield, his book, In the Driver's Seat, the Amazon link is in the uh, show description. And uh, it's a great show. Really enjoyed it. We'll have to do this again. If we ever make it out to California, we'll uh, uh, I'll take you out to dinner. No, no, no. I'm buying dinner. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> buying you dinner, too. The other thing is... Uh, Thank you, guys. I've really enjoyed this, and uh, it's been a pleasure. So I guess it's good night, and thanks again, and safe trip. All right. Thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate it. Uh, Really enjoyed it. So, um, all right, well, we'll take a a little break, and when we return, we'll find out what news and announcements Donna has for us. Haven't haven't done that in a while. And we will uh, wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. So uh, be right back. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since truck 
products were first used by the military in World War One. If you're considering starting your own owner-operated business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt's, Volvo's, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna, what do you have for this evening? It's been a while. Uh, Yeah, um, well, um, I'd like to just announce that uh, on March 5th, it was the uh, four-year anniversary of the death of Jason Rivenberg. As everybody knows, um, his widow, Hope, uh, is the crusader for safe truck parking um, as her husband was shot because there there was not safe truck parking available to him. Okay, I can't. You might want to speak up just a little bit. Okay, uh, the four-year anniversary was March 5th, and um, there's a beautiful thing, and we we shared it on our Facebook wall. Something that Hope wrote. I hope everybody goes over um, and reads it. Uh, I'm not going to read it right now. But it's it's kind of a, a, a memory. Um, it's been four years since I've heard your laugh, and then it goes on. But Hope right now um, is, even though Jason's Law had a huge victory in the uh, transportation bill, MAP 21, um, now she is uh, pulling up her bootstraps and uh, making sure that the funding, the surveys that are being done and the funding that's awarded to these states uh, does so for truck parking. So she's an incredible woman. Um, we're looking forward to seeing her again in October in Kansas City. Um, she's an inspiration, and it keep, she keeps us all uh, fighting for for the many things that, that uh, drivers, you know, abuses and training and HOS, all these things. You know, you have to look at her and everything she's overcome. And she did it while she was eight months pregnant, and then, again, uh, with twins and a two-year-old. So, you know, you have to look at it that way. So um, I just wanted to um, mention that, that she is continuing on. I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's in the the MAP-21, but, you know, what's it going to do? It's not going to do anything. And I, I just want to tell these people, well, you need to support someone who feels the same way and uh, and to support her efforts, which we are doing also. Um, Max is in two weeks. Um, 
the 21st through the 23rd, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, I believe it is. And um, I'm looking forward to going there and meeting up with everybody. And uh, let's see, um, there's a new Facebook page. Uh, Thank you, um, TJ Graff put up a third annual truck driver social media convention page, uh, which I didn't expect. Uh, I was going to do that this weekend uh, while Alan was working, and he beat me to it. But it's a really nice page, and uh, you can go over to the third annual truck driver social media convention page. Uh, With that note, we'll talk about the convention coming up in October 11th, 12th, and 13th, the 11th being the Friday night welcome reception, which was a huge success. Um, People didn't want to leave that, and um, we had only booked it it for like an hour and a half, and and this year we're booking it for um, longer than that. So, And then Saturday, all day with our speakers, and Sunday's the awards, prizes, and we have a special surprise this year, which I can't announce yet, but we will uh, pretty soon. Um, So what is the convention for all those who haven't been there? uh, It's three days of speakers, awards, contests, meals, refreshments, prize drawings, networking, and sharing a lot of valuable info um, as, as everybody is just together for three days. It's a pretty intimate group. Um, even though it can be up to 500 uh, people, just there's a tremendous amount of networking that goes on uh, during during this time. Um, the Making a Difference Award uh, last year's winner was Kari Fisher, and Hope Rivenberg. It's called now the the Jason Rivenberg Making a Difference Award because she was the first winner, and it's in honor of Jason Rivenberg. Pride in Your Ride Truck Contest. Um, thousands in prizes, and then, of course, our speakers, uh, meals, and refreshments. Uh, The website should be completed, uh, I would say, within the next three weeks or so, and we'll have uh, more information on there as far as topics, speakers, and things like that. But right now, you can go to the home page, and if you register uh, before April 15th, there's a $20 reduction in your registration fee. So you might want to take advantage of that. Um, Just go to www.truckingsocialmedia.com and uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, information about the reduced rates at Harris uh, because it is going to be in Kansas City um, at Harris Convention. And um, and we'll have all that up. But just bear with us right now. Join the sign-up uh, page for the newsletter because we'll be sending out periodically um, updates and information. And that's really probably so you don't have to keep going back and forth to the website to see what's going on. Uh, the info will just come to your email box. So you want to sign up on that. And do take advantage of that $20 reduction on those tickets. Uh, like I said. So we're just looking forward to seeing everybody again. Um, Our presenting sponsor this year is Pilot Flying J. Uh, We have a few more sponsors on board. Um, Like I said, we don't have the page up, but uh, Lone Mountain Truck, GoTruckStop.com, Lake Cumberland CDL Training School, Cobra Electronics, and there's a couple of more in the works. Uh, paperwork isn't done, so we'll announce it next week. 
But anyway, we are looking forward to seeing everybody again. Uh, Again, www.truckingsocialmedia.com, and you can just check it out. Um, That's that's about it right now, Alan. I don't um, I don't see anything else. You know, when I say that, it's because I have all these things I I write down, and then I have to figure out what I wrote. So. I know, and uh, we'll be we'll be putting up another show for next week, or is that is that confirmed? And yes, it is uh, confirmed. Um, and we're and it's going to be about trucker pay and uh, what's the specifics on that? Yeah, trucker image, trucker pay, um, what truckers can do. Um, like I said, while you were out this morning, um, Jeff Barker had called. He he, had, he writes an article on Landline, and uh, he's very much. Um, into a, a lot of the things about trucking, like so many truckers are out there. They become very passionate about uh, all the issues and topics. So I was very um, happy that I got a chance to speak with him this morning. And uh, he's going to be on the show next week, and that's going to be uh, his topic that he wants to talk about, truck driver pay. Um, he also has a, a, a Facebook page, and, you know, I didn't write it down, but... It's rides and I, I just can't remember, but it's about a truck. It's more about uh, the health of drivers. Um, so if anybody knows what it is, you can just put it up in the chat room for me because I'm kind of brain dead right now. Okay. So, okay, we'll get that show up then for next week. So, all right, again, that will do it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites, and we hope to see you at the third annual Trucking Social Media Convention in October with a presenting sponsor, Pilot Flying J. So check it out, truckingsocialmedia.com. And for now, on behalf of Donna Smith, truthabouttrucking.com, askthetrucker.com, truckingsocialmedia.com, Block Talk Radio, and Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith, drive safe, and thanks for listening. Badly D.O.T. Dispatcher on me, high fuel, crazy rules, flat tire, no tools, traffic jam, flim flam, run around my Uncle Sam, cheap freight, overweight, they say I'm always running late, NAFTA, messy bucks, coffee from a thermos mug, four-wheeler switching lanes, driving crazy in the rain, bad wreck, bottleneck, people start to rubberneck, fire starts, people shout, stop my rig and pull them out. The trucking family, we haul that freight on a concrete sea. I'm in the trucking family, I can handle anything that you throw at me. I'm in the trucking family, scam schools, half truths, shady companies in cahoots, tight shoes, fast boots, got a load coming loose, AC's out, mad spouse, wrong directions for my has a screaming fit, closing stops, crooked shops, another driver just got shot, no idle burning up, in the winter freeze my butt, wanna shout, no doubt, company wants to start me out, dead phone miss, home at times I feel so all alone, I'm in the trucking family, they haul that freight on a concrete sea, I'm in the trucking family, I can handle anything. This job is tough, but truckers are too We can haul this freight to Timbuktu So just get it up, get out of the way We can take the heat, 
working family We haul that freight on a concrete sea I'm in the trucking family I can handle anything that you throw at me yeah. I'm in the trucking family We haul that freight on a concrete sea I'm in the trucking family I can handle anything that you throw at me Long check, creek, next door, back, what the heck Speed trap 